Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Thank you very much for being part of us. And thank you very, very much for being here. What would you do with 50 gigabytes free data? Would you binge watch TV all day? Would you download FIFA 21? How about downloading your entire coursework? Or you do all at the same time? See, Surfline has a way of giving you value like no one does. 50 gigabytes free data when you get yourself a Surfline device? Now that's a sledgehammer. Don't miss out on anything. Get yourself a Surfline device today from any Surfline shop and get 50 gigabytes free data to do all you ever wanted on Ghana's only true 4G LTE network. Surfline, it's about time. Hello, now what the acquaintance is being disordered so? Enti koso for we MTN mumu nutu a obeo. Spotted you aketuya. Now self a tow at time. If you say we are good together, we there for you everywhere you go. We are so proud of you for setting up this hospital. I really love those hospital beds and waiting chairs. By the way, did you import them? No, Dad, I didn't. I actually got them from Kindle Books and Stationery right here in Ghana. Wow. We also bought our office supplies, safes, executive desks and chairs from Kingdom, and they gave us expert advice on how to set up our office. Guys, that makes three of us. I also got our sofa and bedroom sets plus our dining hall furniture for our new home from Kingdom. Wow, Mom, that makes four of us. I usually get my stationery items from Kingdom and my teacher also mentioned that our classroom furniture was provided by Kingdom. So there you have it. Whenever you're thinking about setting up an office or acquiring furniture for your home, etc., Kingdom Books and Stationery should be your first point of call. With over 40 years' experience in the industry, we stock and supply a wide variety of globally sourced office and home furniture, stationery, and equipment. Visit our head office, Osu Akwaje, or our office near the Osu Stadium. We're also in Tema Committee 1, opposite Olam SHS, Kumase KNUST Campus, UCC, KP. 
coast and now at the Marina Mall Airport City or call us 0302 764101 it's important to create a productive and supportive working environment by investing in your employees' health. With a leading international track record, Apex Health Insurance is regulated and licensed by the National Health Insurance Authority to provide medical insurance services to institutional clients, families, and individuals. Apex Student Package and International Medical Solutions are all here to cushion you. Visit Apex Health Insurance Office at Zion House, Boundary Road, Shiashi or call 0501 or 0232 in Kumasi. We are located opposite Prempe College, Sofoline, and in Takradi, Apex Health, your preferred health insurer. It's time again to further consolidate Ghana's democratic gains. Eligible voters on 7 December 2020 will vote to elect who should govern our beloved country by showing up at polling centers to participate in this democratic exercise. Remember to vote on issues and reject candidates who incite violence. As a good citizen, refrain from political violence and electoral more practices. Go along with your voter's ID card to the polling station. Cast your vote peacefully, cooperating with all lawful agencies. Exercise your right to vote safely. Adhere to all COVID-19 safety protocols at polling stations. Get involved. Pay attention. Stay engaged and let your vote count. It's your civic responsibility. A message from the National Commission for Civic Education, NCCE. The stakes are high for our country this December. Don't stay home. Remember, this election is about your future. Which of the candidates will you trust with managing our economy better? Which leader can give us free SHS and enhance the education of our children? Who can you trust to protect us during dark periods such as COVID-19? Who has the competence to protect our economy, build roads and dams? Do you remember the dark periods of Doomsaw, Create, Loot and Share Brigade? This December, remember we cannot afford the risk. Let's vote for Nana Ikufuado and the NPP to protect our progress. We are now operating four weekly flights from Accra to over 100 destinations worldwide. Book today with greater flexibility and benefit from our all-inclusive fares starting from 654 US dollars earning up to 7,000 bonus kill miles. Book today at QatarAirways.com. Terms and conditions apply. Qatar Airways. Going places together.
Chris Morris and I say keep on listening to George 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 Hello, I'm Lee James, host of Sports World on the BBC World Service. For the best of previews to the sporting weekend, listen to George Addo Jr. on The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM. Joy 99.7 Live on radio, live online. This is The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM with George Addo Jr. We are approaching the sporting weekend that will leave behind indelible traces of the passing of arguably the world's best footballer. Dazzling, infamous, extraordinary, genius, outrageous, Diego Maradona. A flawed football icon. Diego Armando Maradona, rated by many as the greatest player in the world. He's been like a, a god for Argentinian people. He brought so much glory. All these little intricate one-twos, Maradona! He has this uh, kind of Christ element. You know, he's well known everywhere. He's almost like a figure that everybody knows about. Steps forward at 3-3 to try and give Argentina the lead, and he's done it! And he comes towards the bench to receive the congratulations. The ability he had on the pitch to, to provide a pass or score a goal or, or create that piece of magic attracted people in flies, there's no doubt about that. Maradona turns like a little eel and comes away from trouble. Little squat man comes inside Butcher, leaves him for dead. Outside Fennec leaves him for dead and puts the ball away. And that is why Maradona is the greatest player in the world. One of the game's most gifted players, that Argentine boasted a rare combination of flair, flamboyance, vision and speed which mesmerised fans. He also outreached supporters with his controversial hand of God goal and plunged into a mild drug abuse and personal crisis off the pitch. We have a Maradona special featuring the BBC's Chapman, football commentator John Murray, Gary Lineker, who played against Maradona in the 1986 World Cup, and South American football expert Tim Vickery. Ghana's representatives are in action this weekend in the CAF Continental Club competitions as Santa Cotoco Iron Mauritania to face Nwadubu FC and Ashanti Gold welcome Bukinabe side Salitas to the Wasilin Clay Stadium. We have a preview. But also tonight, last year's truncated CAF Champions League season culminates. Egypt's ugly faced their arch rivals Zamalek in the African Champions League final in Cairo. Bitter adversaries for more than a century finally clash for the top club trophy on the continent in the 239th meeting. And we have updates here. There's no shortage of excitement in the English Premier League with the Jose Mourinho derby in landing high on the agenda. And Simadoy Spurs have lost it in a dangerous area again. As Pilaqueta. Now Timo Werner! 
That's the moment he's been waiting for. That's the moment Chelsea have been waiting for. Timo Werner. Lamella! Seven minutes from time. Eric Lamella levels it up. Great shot. Abraham, who goes to the same corner as Dyer. Sends Lloris the wrong way. Kane with the Tottenham fifth. Kane scores. Mark Prots, Mason Mount for Chelsea. We're in must-score territory. Mount takes. And a save by Lloris. He tips it wide. Tottenham depleted in the midst of the most congested schedule imaginable. Have pulled off a wonderful penalty win here against Chelsea. Lampard forces Jose Mourinho to checkmate when first meets second in the EPL. We have a special preview, including clashes involving Manchester City, Manchester United, Arsenal and Everton. If you'd like to send us a message, we'd love to read them via social media accounts, joy slash 9907 on Facebook, 0551 on WhatsApp or tweet at us at joysportsgh. We'll be at the Crossport Stadium for updates on the Legon City's Mediama game and a full preview of March Day 3. We are in the United States for the bout between former IBU lightweight champion Emmanuel K. Boitego and American boxer Macy Joseph Menard. Time to talk about what the world is talking about in the world of sport. Hello from me, George Adi Jr. and welcome. Indeed, a big welcome to you wherever you find yourself. Remember, you can send us your messages on our WhatsApp line 0551-111-997. It's a big evening to look forward to. Some great action to come. If you're following live action, remember that we're going to be giving updates in two games that are ongoing. Very, very important games. The CAF Champions League final between Agli and Zamalek. Agli lead by one goal to nail. We'll be going for some updates shortly from our African football expert, Noah Adams. And we're keeping our close tabs on what's happening as well at the Crossport Stadium. Ligon Cities are up against Bidyama SC. There is the possibility that Samachan will be giving a chance to play today. He is on the bench for Coach Basho Hayford and his new team. So, so much to come. But of course, with the kind of week we've had, losing a legend, we thought we'll start this show with a very special, very special uh, from Maradona. The Maradona special here on the show featuring the BBC's Mark Chapman, Gary Lineker, who played in the 1986 World Cup against uh, Maradona. The South African football or the South American football expert team victory and a host of fantastic guys who will be doing this. You're going to be enjoying this uh, from our partners of BBC for the next 14 minutes. And when I come back, more updates, more to look forward to, including games to come. Diego Maradona. Diego Armando Maradona, rated by many as the greatest player in the world. He's been like a, a god for Argentinian people. He brought so much glory. All these little intricate one-twos, Maradona! He has this a, kind of Christ element. You know, he's well known everywhere. He's almost like a figure that everybody knows about. Steps forward at 3-3 to try and give Argentina the lead and he's done it! Joy and he comes towards the bench to receive the congratulations. Joy 89.7 create that piece of magic attracting people in flies, there's no doubt about that. Maradona turns like a little eel and comes away from trouble. Little squat man comes inside Butcher, leaves him for dead. Outside Fennec leaves him for dead and puts the ball away. And that is why Maradona is the greatest player in the world. He was a, a fantastic player on the beach. 
Argentinian people who loved him forever. Diego Maradona has died age 60. This is the noise outside the Sao Paulo Stadium in Naples this evening where he is seen as a god. On Maradona, we start with our football correspondent, John Murray, and South American football expert, Tim Vickery. Oh, hearing the commentary of the goal again in 86, John, just makes the hairs on the back of my neck stand up. Um, What a a player, uh, what a career, and for both positive and negative reasons, what a life. And as Brian Butler said there in the commentary, I mean, he summed it up so well. That's why he's the best player in the world. But Diego Armando Maradona lived the most incredible life. I mean, amazing. And one of the many, many remarkable things he did was actually live to see 60. So recklessly did he seem to live his life. Uh, But as a footballer, what a talent, what a talent. Born in poverty in Buenos Aires, he drove and inspired his country to win the World Cup. They they loved him in his home country at Boca Juniors. And after that move to Barcelona, he found the perfect home, really, in Europe, in Naples. You know, there was a clear connection there with the club, Napoli, and with the city of Naples and did great things there as well. But I mean, his legend, Diego Maradona's legend, will just live on and on and on. And the tributes will go on and on as well. Social media is a, is a great place on a, on a night like this because you can delve into so many memories, so many experiences, see so many clips, read so many articles, listen to so many interviews. Uh, Rory Smith of the New York Times, who is, of course, part of the Monday Night Club, has, has written a beautiful article in that paper. And Tim Vickery, there's a paragraph here which I, I'm going to read to you first of all before we come on to a, a sort of Argentine football tradition. But this, uh, this paragraph maybe sums everything up. If the flaws dis- diminished what Maradona was, they burnished what he represented to those who watched him, those who adored him, that such beauty could emerge from such tumult made him mean something more. It gave him a resonance that stretched beyond even his outsized ability. His darkness sharpened the contours of his light. Yeah, can you have Amy Winehouse, Dylan Thomas, without without the excesses? Mm. Is the, the genius that we saw on the field, is, is that in part the product of a, of a divided soul? Questions that there's no definitive answer to, but the one definitive answer what we have is what a legacy, what moments. Uh, and uh, I'm so glad that we started with that piece of commentary by, by Brian Butler because I, I think to capture that in the moment was an extraordinary piece of commentary ex- inspired by an extraordinary series of events on the football field. Um, the other thing, and, and this is from the Argentine perspective, that I'd, I'd love your thoughts on and your insight on, because the other thing that Rory talks about in this article is the um, the so-called Pibe, have I pronounced that correctly? Yeah. Yeah. Right. That, um, that'll do. Uh, <laughs> uh, basically, uh, uh, an Argentine character that is a, a sort of street kid and dusty-faced and trickster eyes and a, a, a mane of hair, he says, rebelling against 
the comb and Maradona represented that, yes? Well, Maradona, had you written this as as fiction, it would it would seem almost too obvious of a, of a projection of, a, of an Argentine fantasy. Um, the fact that you get this kid from the wrong side of the tracks, a mixture of, of, of poor Italian immigrant stock and indigenous American, um, the fact that this figure, this squat little figure, this uh, this Argentine everyman uh, gets a game against England. That's not only the enemy from the war in the South Atlantic four years previously, it's the old colonial power when the, the British worked out that they didn't have to occupy a place militarily in order to have control. You just control the purse strings. Uh, and uh, the Argentines were on the, the weaker end of this colonial relationship and that hand of God goal is on the football field. It's the abilities that the that the street kid needs in order to get by, to bend the rules, to get away with things. It's not just the fact that he thought of flicking out his arm to score the goal. It's afterwards when all of his, his teammates know what he's done, but he's telling them, look, come and celebrate with me, make it look good, you know. So he, he, he's got away with it. And that, that that's part of it. Um, it, it's also a kind of Argentine revenge showing that, you know, the English, they, they, they might have the formal power, but, you know, really we can run rings around them. And then comes that second goal. In, is it clearly inspired by the first? Uh, one of my favourite football stories is uh, in the dressing room afterwards, the midfielder en Enrique, who gave him the pass in his own half of the field. Enrique said, well, I put it on a plate for you. What did you expect? You know, but uh, what did Maradona have, have to do? He had to do the impossible. On a ploughed field, he's dribbling with the ball tied to his feet. Uh, and while it's going on, while it's happening, uh, he is... He, he's in his mind. He's calculating all of the possibilities. The, the, the first time he really appeared to an English audience was a game against, uh, against England at Wembley in '79, mm. um, when uh, or '80. I think it was May of '80 when he, he he went on a similar dribble and he's one on one with the goalkeeper, the great, great Ray Clements, who recently left us, and he went for the shot into the far corner and he just rolled it wide. And his brother said to him afterwards. Why didn't he throw the dummy and do the goalkeeper on the inside? And as he's running towards the England goal, as he's leaving Fennick for dead, as he's leaving Butcher for dead, <laughs> he's thinking this in his mind. He's, you know, it, 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 it's a way that, that time slows down for those who are truly gifted. Again, in the dressing room afterwards, Valdano, who was a centre-forward, he was running to try and get in a, in a position for a pass. And in the dressing room, Valdano said, yeah, I was, I, was, I was trying to make myself available. And Maradona said to him, yeah, I saw that and I thought about it, but I decided against it. You know, so while everything is in a, in, a, in a complete blur for the England defenders who are being outclassed, Maradona is in complete control of everything that he's, that, that he's doing. Uh, if you look at his ability with the ball, all is, is a part of his person. And it's not just tied to his left foot. If he, if he kicks it a mile in the air, he can just control it on his shoulder when it comes down. But what he wasn't was a trickster. Um, that, that ability that he had was together with the ability of a strategist. He worked out the permutations and he put that incredible ability at the service of the collective. And if you talk to the people who play with him, most of them, they just have unconditional love for him. 
because he was a giver. He gave to the team. He wanted the team to win. Uh, and these are some aspects of, of Maradona that are sometimes overlooked by the more uh, the more controversial sides of his nature. Yeah, and 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 actually, we're, we're, a lot of focus in England has obviously been on on that one game in '86. But you know, he had a golden period for three years, '85 to '88, maybe maybe a little bit after that as well, where he won a World Cup for Argentina and then won Serie A for Napoli. And and that World Cup, you know, that all right, one game, which we're talking about a lot. But that was his World Cup, and and, J- and Jamie Carragher put on Twitter that no player has dominated a World Cup since that tournament in Mexico in '86. Yeah, and you know you're going to get an awful lot of comparisons now, and it's it's very difficult because the, the debate will rage, won't it, about where exactly he sits? And um, you know I think it's so difficult to compare generations. Do you not think that's personal? I, I just think. <laughs> I think that comes down to you, the individual, when you grew up, who who you saw in the flesh, who you've seen mm-hmm. play 90 minutes, not just seen Absolutely. back in the day. No, I agree. And I think it's, I think it's you, all down to you as the individual. Yeah, totally. And, uh, and, and how can you when you can't really judge Pelé in amongst the others because because he never came to play in Europe because mm. because generally people didn't do that uh, for the most part back then and you know to then compare with with Messi and Ronaldo although of course you know people will say about uh, Maradona the fact that he was able to inspire Argentina to win a World Cup whereas Messi's not been able to do that with Argentina and, and Ronaldo's not been able to do that with Portugal even though they have won the Euros but um, you know I, I think as well talk about World Cup stories I mean what a great story from 1990 yes. to the fact that Italy, the host nation end up in the semi-final but they have to play the semi-final in the San Paolo in Naples against Maradona's Argentina and the crowd there, I know Tim you talk about this one as well, I've heard you talk about this in the past but the crowd are genuinely split or are they not split? They're actually on the side of Argentina against Italy. We have to remember also about that World Cup John that he was he was playing it on on, on dodgy ankles, and he was uh, he was already starting to show the strain. All right, yes, of uh, of excesses off the field, but also of the insane punishment he took on the field. There's a, a stat that I like. I got it from a, a former trainer to a physical trainer to the Brazilian national team. Between the mid 70s and the mid 90s, the average distance covered by players on the field at top level doubled. So there's a huge physical evolution of the game, which isn't matched by increased protection for skillful players. That kind of comes in after the low total of goals in the 1990 World Cup. So Maradona is playing his football without protection uh, and uh, taking the field, sometimes not knowing if he's going to end up in hospital. Mm. And the punishment that he took was extraordinary. And around this time, you know, he's being filled full of, full of cortisone to kind of fool his body, if you like. That it's all right, and he can go out there to to, to perform. So uh, some of uh, of what happened, and, and it, it could even be the case that uh, some of his drug drug problems are, are to relieve an, uh, uh, an attempt to relieve that, that that kind of pain. So I think we should remember what he suffered for. When so many of, of of our compatriots are so quick to call him a cheat, but I can't remember ever seeing a player who was more cheated against. And I think I don't think it's any wonder that if you are continually on the end of 
uh, of vicious fouls and elbows in the face on England were kicking him all over the place and there was an elbow right in his face during uh, before he scored the goals in 86 I think it, it, it's, it's hardly surprising if that makes you a little bit cynical Mesmerizing, magical, magnificent Maradona. He rose from poverty in Buenos Aires to global fame. Only Pele could challenge his status within the game, but no one could match the drama and controversy of his career. Maradona made his senior debut for Argentina at the age of 16 and demanded a world record transfer fee when he joined Barcelona in 1982. But outside his homeland, nowhere will mourn his passing more than the city of Naples. Maradona spent seven years with Napoli, leading the club to two league titles and the 1989 UEFA Cup. He remains an icon with the club's fans, and Napoli's number 10 shirt was retired after his departure. During his time in Italy, Maradona's international reputation was made and tarnished during one tournament and perhaps one game. In the 1986 World Cup quarter-final against England, he punched the ball past Peter Shilton to give Argentina the lead. If the hand of God goal was hard to accept, the majesty of the one he scored four minutes later is impossible to dispute. In 60 yards and 10 seconds, he produced the goal of the century. His country's eventual glory in Mexico was an achievement even Maradona could never match. He willed Argentina to the final in 1990, but by then his personal problems were taking hold. His playing days ended at the age of 37, and amid increasing health issues, his managerial career never reached the same heights. A two-year spell in charge of the national team ended after they were knocked out of the 2010 World Cup. And now, 15 years to the day since the passing of George Best, football has lost another genius. There will be three days of mourning in Argentina. The memories will last forever. Ooh, may he so rest in perfect peace, Diego Armando Maradona. 
And I think it was very clear. We know that uh, three days of mourning were cut short because the family had to react. We heard from Natalia Cozen earlier this morning telling us that uh, they had to quickly head on and bury him. He's been laid to rest. Um, his soul rests in perfect peace. And that, that's it right now for our special on Diego Armando Maradona. That's more definitely to come as we try to reminisce and talk about uh, the great works that he managed to put together. You're still in the locker room on Joy 99.7 FM. And there's definitely more coming up here as we switch to boxing. Live on radio, live online. This is The Locker Room with George Addo Jr. Boxing next. And the former international boxing organization lightweight champion, Emmanuel Gameboy-Tego, will take on American boxer Mason Joseph Bernard at dawn in about scheduled for Hollywood, Florida, United States of America. And we'll see the highly rated Ghanaian boxer take a step closer in his quest to annex the World Boxing Organization lightweight title. We know Tego has been in Miami over the past months where he's been preparing for the bout and will be seeking to continue his impressive winning streak against the 32-year-old American boxer. Tego over the months was supposed to fight Dennis Berinchik of Ukraine in a final eliminator by the highly anticipated bout hit a snack. So, what has he got to offer in some six hours? Joining me with some analysis, my colleague, Hans Mensa Ando. Thanks, Hans, for your time on the show. Let's talk about expectations. I know Game Boy had a fight cancelled long ago. Should have naturally given him time to prepare. Is he looking good for the Mason Assault? Well, George, definitely had a lot of time to prepare for this fight. Um, you know, COVID means that a lot of boxers are having seen action over the last um, 10 months or probably 11 months. And so Game Boy definitely has had a lot of time to prepare. At some point, he was here in Ghana. I'm not sure how much uh, training he was doing, but was definitely keeping in shape. Um, he's gone back to the U.S., had a lot of time to prepare with his trainer, and um, I'm sure he should be ready for this one. But you know that is not about how long you've had to prepare. It's about how much has gone into that preparation, how much has gone into conditioning work, how much has gone into studying your opponent, how much has gone into drawing up a strategy to neutralize uh, you know, his strength and maximize your strength in order to win the fight. So, um, lots of time, but uh, the real questions will be answered as to just how much um, they've done in terms of the real preparation for this fight. Menard, on the other hand, made his last debut in the ring against Travis Hartman in August 2019, where he recorded impressive unanimous decision win. What makes him a dangerous opponent? I mean, the thing about Mason Menard is that you never really know what he's going to come to the table with. Um, he's had some defeats in the last four years. Uh, lost against Raimondo Beltran, who our own Richard Oblitekomi, you know, blasted out. He lost against Devin Henney. Henney, of course, is one of the, the top dogs in that division. He lost against the man who beat Richard Comey, Teofimo Lopez, via KO. But he's also recorded impressive victories. Um, a KO against David Michel Paz and, uh, of course, that unanimous point decision against uh, Travis Hadman. Difficult to point what his real strengths are all round. Um, he can do a bit of everything, but he you can say that he's extraordinary in a particular department. That, for me, is what makes makes him dangerous. I think that he he can adapt to various situations as far as the fight is concerned. If you look at the fight that he's lost, they are all competitors who are top, top. Beltran, until, of course, his defeat to Richard Comey, was one of the top dogs in the division. Um, you've got Devin Henney. Right now, is the WBC's title holder in that division never mind that you know he won that title uh, via technicality not in the ring uh, but via technicality he's still you know a cracking boxer you just seen him 
um, you know, beating New York is Gamboa. So he's one of the trio being talked about in that division. There is Javonte Davis and then there is, there is Teofimo Lopez as well. And of course, Shaco Stevenson. So um, he's one of the top dogs in the, the division. And so, you know, no shame really in the sort of boxers that Mason Maynard has lost to. He's a decent boxer, not world-class by any stretch because when he's come up against world-class opposition, he's been outclassed. And so, you just don't know what he's going to bring to the table. I think that um, to err on the side of caution, I have to say that he's capable of beating Emmanuel Gameboy Tego. I just think that Tego um, is slightly better in terms of the experience. Look, he doesn't have the experience of fighting outside the shores of Ghana, but I think that locally he's seen it or he's seen some uh, very good fights locally, um, not least between himself and George Ashi. He's had some credible local opponents to come up against. I just think that um, Game Boy just has that bit of quality and that ring IQ to be able to get past Mason Maynard. But if he goes into the ring underestimating him, he could be in for a shocker because we are talking about a boxer who has mixed it up with some of the best in the world. And I keep mentioning them. Raimondo Beltran, Devin Haney, Teofimo Lopez. When a boxer has been in the ring with quality, you can't expect that a bit of it is going to rub off him. He'd have learned lessons and he could bring that to bear in this fight. Hans, let's end with ranking. Opportunity for big titles then from a Ghanaian perspective. How important is this bout? George, this is certainly a very, very important fight. Very, very important fight within the context of a world title for Ghana. The last hope that we had was Duke Micah. That didn't materialize. Shocking performance against John Rio Casimero. And so you do expect Game Boy has, um, you know, very good position on the various sanctioning bodies' rankings. He wins this one. He puts himself in position to get a world title shot. I mean, it's going to be very difficult for those holding the titles to look past him. I think that in Mano Tego, a lot of a lot of the title holders see a boxer who comes with not that much of a risk. Yes, he can land himself a world title fight if he's able to win this one. He himself has said that nobody knows him. He knows that. But after this fight, the rest of the division will take notice. That would take a massive performance. That would take a very convincing performance. We know Game Boy Tego, he can be frustrating at times. His lack of killer instinct. He's a boxer who likes to go the full distance, toy around the bait in the ring. For him, it's showmanship. But it's also important that he delivers a statement tonight. He must be convincing in beating Mason Maynard. The reason is this. There is a thing in all the school of thoughts. All the guys who have beaten Mason Maynard have done so impressively. The three guys that I mentioned all recorded knockout victories over Mason Maynard. And so it is important that if Emmanuel Gameboy Tego is going to be considered as one of the credible op- opponents in that division, he has to go out there and beat Mason Maynard and be impressive while doing so. He has to make a statement that screams, I deserve a shot. And that for me is very, very important. He wins this fight. He's impressive in doing so naturally he's going to move up the rankings naturally he's going to put himself in pole position for world title shot for him personally it's important because time is running out he spent years about three years or four years 
holding on to a very irrelevant IBO lightweight title. Baby Jet Promotions betrayed a lack of understanding of the business side of boxing. They did deliver a statement and I hope for his sake, for the sake of Ghana boxing, that by the end of 12 rounds, Emmanuel Tego's hands will be raised and he would have won and won impressively. Thank you very much, Hans. We'll be looking forward to this bout and uh, hopefully uh, the Ghanaian gets the win. Exactly what we'll be doing. You're live on Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM. We have to step it up and begin to talk some more. But I have to tell you that the CAF Champions League final ongoing between Arkley and Zamalek. It's now one all. We'll be hearing from Nuhu at halftime. Nuhu Adams will be joining us at halftime as we go through what has been happening in the game. So we'll give you an idea. For now, we talk about the Ghana Premier League. Seven games to save uh, later this weekend. We know uh, there's one that's already, uh, that's actually underway right now, the Crossport Stadium. Let's head to the Crossport Stadium and hear from my colleague, Oriku Ampofo. Oriku, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing very well, George. It's been an incredible game so far, although it's no-nil. Oh, uh, Neil, Neil, I can see you don't sound excited because you haven't seen any goals. Uh, can you just tell us a little bit about the story of the game so far? Well, we haven't seen goals yet, but it has been an eventful game. We've done about 70 minutes, 78 minutes, yeah, and we are getting to the end of the game. But just a few minutes ago, Asamoah Jan made his official return to the Ghana Premier League as he was substituted on. Remember, it all started for him 17 years ago uh, with Liberty Professionals. Uh, but he's been on the pitch now. Uh, he's had a fair few touches of the ball. Uh, but he's yet to, you know, really impact the game after coming on. But it has been a balanced game between the two sides. The first half was um, dominated by Mediama, uh, who created the number of chances. They hit the post twice as they failed to convert their chances. But Legon City, they've grown into the game as time has gone on, and they've been uh, the better team the second half, and they've created enough chances. But then Eric Gunchy, the captain of Mediama has had to make a couple of good saves to prevent Legon City from taking the lead uh, in the game. One, one of the questions that were asked prior to this match was whether Basu Hayford would be on the touchline for Legon City. Well, it, it is Wahid Mohamed, who is the assistant manager, who is taking charge of the team for the match today. And so far, we've not seen any goals, but he might have a little bit of a headache, considering that he's had two injury concerns with David Kujo in the first half. And then Elvis Opoku, who was stopped off at halftime. But so far, it's no no after you approach the 80th minute. All right, let's move away from that game uh, that you're watching. But I know you keep your eyes on that. <laughs> Whatever happens, you tell us. I mean, let's look at the other games to come. Yeah, we know Ashanti Gold and Kumasiya Santa are away. They have to play in the CAF Interclub competitions, Confederations Cup and Champions League. But aside the hearts of Oak into Allies game, I don't know which of the games you are interested in. We've got Wafael Mina Sharks, the Sibusandras, Brickham Chelsea, the Adriana Stars, Bechim United. A little bit of a derby there, right there. And we've got Karala United versus Dreams FC. Uh, which game are you interested in? I think that the Dreams FC versus Karela game should be very, very interesting because of how how well these two teams have started. If you look at the Premier League table, you do have about five teams joined top with four points. Now, two of those are Karela and Dreams will be facing off uh, this weekend. Now, Karela, they had a very bad season, you know, with the 
truncated season that ended last uh, last season. And uh, they seem to be one of the teams that have benefited from the whole coronavirus break. Uh, they've come back strong. So far, they have four points. And their main man, Yaruichi Taylor, has been in form, scoring two goals. Now, for Dreams FC, they've also had a similar start. They could have won against Inter Allies, but it was a good point. And uh, they did beat Mediama, who are a so-called title favorite at Deirut by two goals to one. So you have two clubs who have had good starts, who could possibly impose their names and, you know, mm. make, make names for themselves in terms of being the dark horses for the title race this season. It looks like that type of season that anything could possibly happen. So certainly that would be a game to watch this weekend. Okay, thank you very much, Rick For now, the game for you to watch is Legon City versus Midiama FC. Let's see how it all goes because Midiama had to improve the season. Rick Wampo for joining us from the Crossball Stadium. So now, it's about time to find out what else will be happening this weekend. Okay, so we've told you, Kamasia Santikoro is expected to uh, train tomorrow. Maybe the final training, yes, as they prepare for the game on Sunday. They're up against Nwadibu. That's the game we'll be giving you updates on, on the Joyce Force Arena. And Ashanti Gold up against Salitas, the Volcanavi side. Now let's go to my colleague uh, Haruna Mubarak, who's put together the games to look forward to in the Ghana Premier League. Due to the participation of Asante Kotoko and Ashanti Gold in the CAF Champions League and CAF Confederations Cup this weekend, their games against Great Olympics and King Faisal have been postponed. As a result, 11 Wonders stand a chance of sitting at the top of the table should they secure a comprehensive victory over Liberty Professionals. This means that the scientific soccer lads must be at their very best in order to stand a chance of winning their first game of the season against an improved 11 Wonders side at the Karendorf Park. David O'Clue will need to sort out Liberty's back line as his side are yet to keep a clean sheet in two games. They are facing an 11 wonder side who have scored three goals in two matches. Interallies face a difficult task to record their first win of the season against Accra House of Folk, who blew a chance to win their season's opener against Ashanti Gold in midweek. Interallies head coach Henrik Lem is under pressure after picking up just a point in two games. To make matters worse, the outfit is yet to score a goal in this campaign. In their last match, Allies were beaten by a 75th minute penalty by DOEC Taylor for Karela United in Enyinyase. House of Oak played their first game on Tuesday and it ended in a 2-2 draw with Ashanti Gold at Accra Sports Stadium. A game head coach Ni Odum felt his side deserved more than just a point. Ediana Stars are poised to secure their first triumph of the campaign when they welcome Bechem United to the Nana Ajimambedu Park. The Fireboys relinquished their lead last weekend against Kim Faisal as the match ended 1-1. Their goal scorer against Kim Faisal, Yaya Mohamed, has been ruled out of the game as he is nursing a shoulder injury. Bechem United, on the other hand, are yet to taste defeat this season after a win and a draw against Wafa and Liberty Professionals, respectively. Wafa will be seeking a return to winning ways against Elmina Shak following last weekend's 1-0 defeat to Bechem United. The Academy Boys head coach Prosper Ogu might be thinking about reshuffling his starting lineup after playing two matches with an unchanged side who have considered four goals this campaign. However, their firepower up front is menacing as they prayed on King Faisal's weak defense in a deadly fashion, putting four past Alhaji Gruse's outfit. Elmina Sharks should be wary of Wafa's attacking threat at Sogakope, or else they might record a mortifying scoreline. Brekum Chelsea travel to Cape Coast to lock horns with Ebusian Dwarfs, who are winless this season. Both sides will be searching for their first win of the season, but it is Brekum Chelsea who will be heading into the game with a better record, having drawn against Legon Cities and Asante Kotoko. Ebusian Dwarfs drew their opening game against Elmina Sharks 
Sharks before losing to 11 Wonders in Techima. Carola United head coach Evans Adote has made it clear of his intention to make his side's home ground a fortress after beating entire lies last weekend. Carola United will be looking to continue that when they welcome Dreams FC in Eninase. Wounded Lions Legon City's host bruised Mediama Sporting Club who have picked up just a point from a possible six in their opening two matches of the Ghana Premier League season. It is a massive game for the two clubs as they are eager to put things right after a stuttering start to the campaign. The Royals, who recently hired Bashir Hayford as their head coach, will be led out of the tunnel by assistant coach Wahid Mohamed as the former Black Queens head coach who officially resumed duty on March Day 4 against Dreams FC. The Accra-based club could welcome former Black Stars captain Asamoah whilst highly rated defender Ali Watara will also be available for the minors. Mediama Sporting Club is past Legon City's 2-0 at Accra Sports Stadium in the 2019-2020 truncated season. there with that report and of course that's wrap looking forward to the games to come in the Ghana Premier League remember we've got more for you on the Joy Sports Arena now don't we have to head to our Joy Sports BBC two-way series I've been speaking with the BBC's John Bennett he's back enjoy this Thanks, John, for your time this weekend. And alas, we've got some good news coming in early this week with English Premier League fans in the United Kingdom returning to the stadium on December 2nd. Well, this news, however, has been met with some mixed emotions. Is the disparity with which grounds can hold which numbers a challenge at all? Yeah, glimmer of hope, George, when it comes to getting fans back into stadiums. Uh, you're right, mixed emotions. I mean, there's a big disparity around the country. In London, it looks as though fans will be allowed, but it's only up to 2,000 people, so it will be very strange. Although, to be honest, even at the Champions League games I've seen where there are a limited number of fans, it does really make a difference. I watched uh, Krasnodar playing this week. I think it was against Sevilla, and um, there were fans in the stadium, and it did make a big difference. So the likes of Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham, Fulham... Crystal Palace, it looks like they will be able to have up to 2,000 people in the stadiums. But um, then you go to, to clubs mainly in the north of England, like Manchester United, Manchester City, they won't be able to have fans in the stadium. Basically, that's because we've been the, the country's been split into tiers, depending on how serious the transmission rate has been of COVID-19. So tier one, tier two, tier three, and in tier 1 you're allowed up to 4,000 fans in tier 2 you're allowed up to 2,000 fans in tier 3 which is the most serious where there's the most serious problems you're not allowed any supporters in the ground at all I'll tell you what we need them back as soon as possible I've been going to games as a a reporter and I've been so you know I I feel it's a real privilege to have been going to games whereas other people haven't been able to but it is so flat particularly before the match when the match kicks off you can not forget it, but you can get into the game. But it's before the game, that, that, that 10 minutes before the match, when it really, really does feel flat, George, without the supporters in the stadium. Let's hope we can get full grounds back as soon as possible. John, we have had crazy results, and for the larger part of the season so far, strange standings. Do you expect these starts at the moment to heavily change with fans back in? Yeah, we have seen crazy results, haven't we? Um, I, I'm not sure it's all to do with the supporters. I think that's... a that is, uh, that did have an effect at first, I think, and there'll be some players who are playing 
with a bit of pressure off. Now there are no supporters in the stadiums. There are some players who are probably not playing as well as they would with that motivation behind them. Uh, the adrenaline you get from the noise of the crowd. But I think the main thing that's happened behind the um, strange results is that it's a congested season due to the pandemic. There was no pre-season really for the players, no substantial pre-season. The fixtures are all bunched together. There are some tired players, tired defenders, more injuries. And I think that's the main reason we've had the crazy results rather than the lack of fans in the stands. John, the weekend's headliner, without a doubt, is the London derby between Chelsea and Spurs. Also happens to be first against second. Moreno appears to be steering Spurs' his way, having to grind results, while Lampard's side are playing with much freedom. Where will this match be won or lost? Yeah, no doubt this is the big game. I mean, the massive subplot of Jose Mourinho taking his top-of-the-table Tottenham side to Stamford Bridge to, to face his, his former club. Both of them look like realistic title contenders this season, so it's an early chance, isn't it? Not only for the local bragging rights, but also a crucial three points. You know, this could turn out to be a pivotal three points when it when we get to May, the end of the season. Significantly, match number 1,000 of the Roman Abramovich era at Chelsea as well, which began in July 2003. Uh, the Chelsea owner, the man who first brought Mourinho to English football in 2004. Where will it be won and lost? Well, I think it's each defence. We've seen some frailties, haven't we, in the Chelsea defence, which may have been ironed out in the last few weeks, you have to say, but how will they cope with Kane and Son and perhaps Gareth Bale, even if he, he's off the bench, maybe? And how will the Tottenham defence, which has really improved under Jose Mourinho, how will they cope with the likes of, of Werner, Pulisic um, and Tammy Abraham, who's in fantastic form, So and, and, and Ziyech as well, who has made a great start to his Chelsea career. So it's all about how the defences cope with some world-class attacking lineups. I can't wait for this game, even if it finishes nil-nil. <laughs> I think it's going to be a fantastic spectacle on and off the pitch. John, let's stick with Chelsea for a while. And the report suggesting Olivier Giroud wants out of the Stamford Bridge because of lack of game time. He delivered another timely reminder of how important he is to Lampard's squad by securing qualification to the UEFA Champions League knockout stage in Rennes. Is his valuation underrated at the bridge? I don't think he's underrated by the Chelsea fans. I don't think he's underrated by Frank Lampard, who came out this week and said how much he respects Oli, as he called him. But we have to say that Tammy Abraham's been in wonderful form and Tammy Abraham probably offers you that extra dimension of his pace in behind defences, which Olivier Giroud doesn't have. But for all the criticism Olivier Giroud has had down the years, and he has had a lot, he keeps getting selected by Didier Deschamps. He keeps having big moments at Chelsea. Frank Lampard keeps having to rely on him. He is a wonderful player. And what a CV he has got, Olivier Giroud. The things he's won, the goals he's scored... He's not everyone's cup of tea, but I think he's a really good player. And it would be a massive blow, I think, if Chelsea lost him in January because of the amount of games they've got. The Champions League games, the Cup games, they'll be challenging. They hope for the title. I think it's imperative that they keep Olivier Giroud, uh, Olivier Giroud, not only if there's an injury to Tammy Abraham, but also we saw at the end of last season, he became the main man up top. And I think that could happen again towards the end of the season. John, we'll look forward to the games to come shortly. But let's talk about Manchester City. They consider to fluff their lines in front of goal. Are they making the title challenge, if there's one at all, very difficult this season? I'm looking at the league table right now, George, and I still can't believe I have to look so far down to find Manchester City. 13th. I know it's only eight games, and they do have a game in hand on most of the teams above them. 
But even if they, they won that game in hand, that would take them to 15 points, level with 7th place Aston Villa. So it's been a poor start. They've already lost two games. And if you're thinking of winning the Premier League, probably losing four or five is your maximum. So they can only lose two or three more games. You remember when Leicester City won the Premier League, they only lost three games. So, yes, yeah, an awful start for, for Manchester City. Um, too many too many draws, not potent enough in front of goal. And of course, there are excuses. They were in the latter stages of the Champions League last season. And there was a lack of turnaround time to this season. No pre-season. They have a lot of internationals who have been away on international breaks. But but all the big teams have had those problems as well. Very difficult situation for, for Pep Guardiola. I think tactically, he has got things wrong at times. But listen, you, you, there's no danger of Manchester City putting any pressure on him. He's just signed his new contract. The future of Manchester City is with Pep Guardiola, whether they win the title this season or, or they don't. Of course, the Champions League will be their big focus. I still expect them to be at least second. I think if you finish above Manchester City and Liverpool, you can safely say that you've won the title this season. But, but it is a poor start and they've got some catching up to do. How serious then should we take Liverpool's performance against Atlanta in the Champions League? Is the mounting injury list beginning to finally take a toll or do you expect them to show more resilience without their key men? It was worrying, wasn't it? It was really worrying to see, particularly after they played so well against Leicester City the weekend before, although I think Leicester City allowed them to play well. I thought Leicester were really timid in that game. It was a disappointing performance by uh, the team I support. I wasn't very happy with with the negative tactics, how, how, how they weren't really assertive against, against Liverpool. Atalanta were assertive and it paid dividends. I think a lot of clubs will be looking at that performance and trying to mirror what Atalanta did against Liverpool. Um, it was a bad day at the office. I don't think we should get too worried. Maybe there was a bit of complacency there because Liverpool had beaten them by five goals to nil uh, three weeks before and also Liverpool are basically through to the last 16. But still, a little bit of a worry. There is a mounting injury list. It'll be interesting to see how they get on against Brighton this weekend. Jurgen Klopp has talked about being unhappy about the kickoff time, hasn't he? That tight turnaround from Wednesday night to early Saturday. I think they'll beat Brighton, but let's see what, what type of performance. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. They, they produce, and if there's a reaction to what happened on Wednesday night, John Sill, still very good games to come aside the London derby. Let's go through the fixtures. What are we to expect when Manchester City play Burnley, Arsenal face Wolverhampton Wanderers, Southampton play Manchester United and Everton play Leeds? Yes, yeah, a really exciting weekend. I mean, we've mentioned the big game, uh, Chelsea against Tottenham, but probably the biggest game in terms of significance in this early stage of the season is the meeting between the only two teams in the division who are yet to win this season. West Brom and Sheffield United meet at the Hawthorns. Only November, but I think defeat for either side will be a huge dent in their hopes of staying up. Arsenal, under a bit of pressure. They're two Premier League games without a win. A good victory. 
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.